0: Zigga zigga
1: zoom, welcome to the doom room. I'm doomed, I'm Alex. <laughs> boom boom, you're in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm Doomed. I'm Pete. <laughs>
0: And we are on episode three. We're definitely going to run out of rhyming things pretty soon, but we're going to be talking about... I said the
1: same one every time, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I ran out at the beginning. Yeah, so far.
0: Season one, episode three, Puppet Patrol. Uh, So very exciting to give you a little bit of recap and reminder in case you're checking back in with these episodes later on. The Doom Patrol is looking for their missing chief who has been taken by Mr. Nobody, played by Alan Tiddick. In this episode they head down to Paraguay to try to track him down and instead find a bunch of Nazi puppets and fight them other things go on throughout the course of the episode we find out a lot more about our characters particularly Larry Trainer aka Negative Man big episode for him uh, but big episode for everybody and most of all big episode for us uh, now yeah. Pete <laughs> I do want to, I do actually want to start with you. Whoa, really? Yes, because, and this is kind of like a a shocking take. You don't like Nazis, right? As far as I'm aware. This was my favorite episode
2: because there is nothing better than ripping Nazis in half and beating Nazis to death with half of a dead Nazi body. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just like
0: living life. (laughs) Now for a counterpoint Justin you love Nazis right <laughs> That
1: is the the head to head we're going to take here Well let me throw this out I don't love Nazis but there is really only one Nazi in this episode puppeting what? puppeting many many regular people who may or may not have been Nazis Pete. So
2: Oh sure. don't throw that at
1: me So you got to
2: think about oh, it Those are no, really I
1: bad A I lot of people fun a lot of those people were Bavarians, mm-hmm. uh, a rich culture, um, a rich German Love culture. Loved pretzels. Loves pretzels, their beer, yeah. and their uh, fondness for uh, short pants and flowing tops. Mm-hmm.
0: So that is really too bad. Uh, the reason I was actually asking, though, is I know generally you get uncomfortable with anything that involves the Nazis, but it sounds like you're okay with it since they were getting the, the shit kicked out of them. So that's all right. Yeah. Uh, but why don't we take it back to the beginning I'm, here? I mean,
2: that... Really makes me concerned. I I don't know why you think like normally I you I, I'm what trying to think of one right in the past <laughs> where I've been like
0: hey Alex take it easy on those Nazis no 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 that's not what I am saying you've not been like whoa slow pedal the <laughs> Nazi hate one Jewish member of the podcast uh, what you what you have done is like you've just very much not wanted to be involved in anything yeah, that mentions. Like that. Yeah. Nazis in any way, yeah, which is fair. That's fine. I think I think a zero tolerance policy for Nazis is an okay policy to have. That's just okay, fine. Cool.
1: Um, I mean, the thing is, uh, f- having Nazis are like the the villain. It's like right. the twentieth century villain. So it's a it's a go to. And I think if anything, it's a little I mean, exhausting for, for to a constantly... longer time
2: than the twentieth century. I would say it's a it's a
1: you know kind well, of they weren't made... around much before the twentieth century. Okay, all right, Nazis. Well. I'm, I'm just saying, from and when they showed up time till now. Yeah. Yeah. Time-traveling
0: <laughs> Nazis. They were uh, very active in dinosaur mm-hmm. times, too.
2: Yes,
1: exactly. The Nazi dinosaurs are the worst.
0: Uh, worst. Terrible. Worst guy. kind of dinosaur. Terrible. The ideology is confusing at best. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed.
1: Um, what about Hammibal Lecter? That's oh, where I want to on, start. That's yeah. where I wanted
0: to start because we can't skip over the most important character that's getting teased here. Obviously, Pete and I know because we've watched a couple of episodes. Pete, do you want to review how many episodes we've each watched again? Or no, gonna... I think no, we're no, covered. I think no, we I don't I mean, need yeah. to. Do. Okay. Uh, Obviously, huge character coming down the pike. I actually don't remember if this comes back in any way. I don't think it does. I don't think it does. But very funny. I want to meet that hamster someday. So badly, yes. Do you think that hamster eats other hamsters, though? Uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that hamster eats other humans. Eats humans. Oh, man. Oh, man. Wild. Here's the thing. My sister had hamsters um, named Coyote and Roadrunner. Give birth to hamsters? Yeah, yes, two hamsters. What? Immaculate now, Alex, birth. why would
2: you ask that? You said had. That implies uh,
1: something. But, yeah. Richard Gere gave birth to a hamster, I believe. Well, oh, uh, was <laughs> What is happening? Differently. Uh, though, differently, uh, differently, yeah. The no, my sister, way. My, <laughs> my sister had a uh, good term to throw out there. My sister had hamsters, Coyote and Roadrunner. And I'll tell you what, Coyote ate Roadrunner. Oh, oh that's it was a, it was a a hamster that ate another hamster. Jesus. Oh,
2: why would you bring that
0: up? Oh, that is awful. It well, was very want...
1: it was literally what we were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> no, we were talking about hamsters
0: eating other hamsters, so it's we actually were. very applicable. Uh... Um, That was great. Love the thing immediately after that with Jane putting up the, have you seen this chief sides all over town? And just this whole opening sequence was very fun. And there's less of a focus on Jane in this episode, even though she does get some fun hero moments throughout, but giving her this like punk rock counterculture aesthetic throughout that felt like the big thing they were driving home for her throughout this episode.
2: Yeah, I mean, the reveal of, like, you think it's just her, and then the kind of, like, uh, pan out of the angry mob that's following her, you know. I mean, that's got to feel good. The town's mad. Yeah. It's got to feel good to staple somebody in the forehead, though.
1: You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like That's that's the thing. That guy did not really... He didn't move fast enough. Mm -hmm. He had to see that coming. You had to, I mean...
0: Maybe she was the personality that moves quickly with staplers. That's a possibility. We haven't yeah.
1: really been introduced That's to true. that yet. Stapelo. Uh, Stapelo. Um, let me say, before we get too far into it, this show is great. I can't believe no one told us about it. going Coming into it. Like, <laughs> this show. It, it's I, literally
2: I, the thing that we get the most is people being mm-hmm. like, why aren't you talking about the show?
1: Well, I think those people should have tried a little bit harder because I would have really enjoyed this earlier on in my life Um, It's so fun It's really well balanced At least these first three episodes Between the different characters They're all dealing with similar like tragic flaws that they keep not dealing with Oh, it's driving
2: Um, me nuts In this episode, I am over-trainer, dude I am so sick of his
1: shit It's ridiculous Uh, But what I was going to say is even though they're going through very similar sort of journeys, each one feels different. And I like all the characters. I feel sorry for them. At the same time, I'm like, come on, get it together. I want to get
0: back to this crazy trainer hate that you have, uh, Pete, in a second. But I do want to mention in terms of the viewing thing, one of the reasons I think the show was hurt was it was on DC Universe for the first two seasons, something Mm -hmm. like that, which was a very – underwatch service. Not place. <laughs> yeah, not a great place for it. Uh, and uh, not easy to find, not easy to watch, not easy to track down. Certainly, ho- Hold on, on, hold on. Yeah. I think it hasn't necessarily seen an explosion, but it's gone to a much wider audience now that it's on HBO Max. And I think that's something they knew. They knew if they moved it over there to HBO Max, it's not just going to move that same audience over, but it's actually going to grow the audience naturally. But also, like you're saying, it's a good show, so people are able to go back. You're also... I think the other part of it that I would speculate is you're not necessarily getting into a show episode by episode by the point of sign HBO max, they were going into the third season. So you already know, Oh, there's that back catalog. If I can watch two full seasons of the show. And I think people are very hesitant to get into a new superhero show or any new show that they think is going to be instantly canceled, you know, particularly like yeah. something on DC universe, everybody knew that's just not going to be around for a while. So I think if you were hesitant at all, you're like, nah, I'm everybody didn't know I was pulling for it. Uh, I,
2: I also just want to say, like, this show has been a fan favorite for a long time. So it's one of those things where uh, the the fans have been keeping this show alive and keeping it going, even though it's had different platforms and kind of different audiences as far as how many people are watching it. But uh, it's definitely the little show that could because uh, it's been really solid since the first step as we're all finding out now.
1: It's really funny at the same time (coughs) having excellent drama going, and tonally it reminds me sort of a cross between the old uh, The Tick cartoons, like Mm -hmm. the really great episodes of The Tick, and Preacher, the TV show Mm -hmm. Preacher. That's a fun cross there. I like what you did. Um,
2: There are just every episode there has been a real laugh out loud moment. and A bunch of them. Yeah, it's been impressive that, like, even going back and watching this again, it still
0: gets me. It's uh, it's really such a good show. Well, to be fair, you are the sort of person who watches things a lot of times and enjoys them every time, which is a very laudable trait. To yeah, be like fair.
1: Like a goldfish, a human goldfish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well,
0: I did have another question for you while we're working through the beginning here, Pete. What's right up? after the scene with Jane, we go over to Cliff exploring the Chiefs' office, looking for clues. And he finds an entire drawer filled with, I believe it was Kit Kat wrappers that he's eaten. Mm-hmm. And was like, ooh, you probably had diabetes. Uh, do you have a drawer like that in your house? You're a big candy fan. Candyman. Oh, my God. I feel so... <laughs>
2: Uh, See? called out right now. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna open up my drawer of
1: uh candy. And, I'm not, uh, a-
0: oh, okay. I wasn't actually asking you to open it up, I was asking if you had it, and I guess yeah. the answer is yes. Yes, yes, and I do. You, I you think.
1: reminded him now, he's fiending. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah,
2: I don't, I don't, you know. You know, hopefully I I don't ever get diabetes, but man, I'm uh
0: Hey, we're, a we're not here to get drawer, we're right? to, we're we're not not parents. Yeah, we're not diagnosing you with diabetes here live on the podcast or anything. No, do you man. want us to? No, no,
1: I should go see my doctor. You're right. You're right. Um, Pete's like, Pete we bring up candy and Pete's like, Are you a cop? You a fucking cop <laughs> Listen, don't tell me, buddy, all right, but uh yeah, I got some candy. All right you're you're a grown man you could have a candy drawer if you want in your room like... full of comic books
0: uh- <laughs> <laughs> I do love what this brings up, though, just in terms of the overall relationship with the episode. And we were talking about this last week as well, uh, last episode as well, with the cyborg introduction, where there's this big push and pull here between him wanting to act like a superhero team and nobody else wanting to do that or know what that means, which segues really nicely into this very fun briefing sequence where Uh everybody's just taking the shit out of him the entire time. Oh, my God. I want to back up the truck a little bit.
2: We get uh, to see... Do you want to talk about Habibul Lecter again? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I really want to take it back to the DC flip, but I won't. (laughs) Um, To see the Vic and Mom stuff um, uh, was so powerful. We get to kind of see the accident. uh, But if you notice... It seemed like when he kind of, like, flipped over the stuff and then rewatched the footage. Sorry, was he DC flipping over the stuff?
1: Or? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a wow. good call. Uh, the wow. only flip in the episode.
2: Um, it looked like there was a bigger explosion that came not from Vic's explosion, but it looked like something else was happening.
1: Um I, I think it's pretty safe to say that, that there's something up with the accident that killed his mother. Because when it, he was like, it's my fault, and then seeing it, and he, when he like literally did it, I was like, this is too, too much here. <laughs> like he, This is clearly something. And I like the way, again, we're slow playing this mystery of uh, Vic's dad probably faking this to um, push shift the blame off something that he did that probably killed the mother.
2: But also, like... Both his
0: parents, pretty cold as ice. You know what I mean? Like his mom also was like. I didn't think his mom was cold as ice. We only get that brief scene with her, and it seems like they have a pretty good relationship. It seems like they have
2: a great relationship, but she was just kind of like, hey, man, listen, this is, you know, you fucked up. You're going to have to pay the price. Like, you know, I was like, all right. Your candy
1: drawer is empty, and you, you can't believe you went too much in there, and you're in trouble. And he's Man. like, "I love candy." You have you have no idea,
2: like the fucking tip of the iceberg that you guys are fucking dancing around right now when it comes to <laughs> me and candy. All right, so let's just walk away because <laughs> no, it's going to get dark, and you guys, yeah. All right, so let's just keep it
1: moving. Okay, <laughs> Can't don't you mean the tip of the mound's candy bar? <laughs> <laughs>
0: It definitely feels like you're some sort of witch luring us to your candy house right now. Like, whatever you do, don't ask about this enormous pile of candy that I have, guys. Oh, my God. How can we not? This is the only thing I can think about now. The cyborg briefing stuff is great, though. Love the relationship between cyborg and Cliff, uh, who doesn't even know ah. what a briefing is. Very yeah.
1: fun. I love that. They yeah. disseminate. Okay. <laughs> uh, like he doesn't know. Cliff yeah. just has uh, so many great lines in this episode. Uh, Looked at fucking donkey. Like just uh, across the board, he's uh, very funny.
2: I also, um, I really, bet, I
1: bet Aquaman never loses his keys. Very funny. Yeah.
2: The the also when we see uh, Jack Trainer, uh, you know the light being put him up on a beam, and the the post it note was stuck to his head. I I love this light being. I feel like you know, uh, you know, as far as like who is the the you know I, I'm I'm team light being.
0: All so the way. first of all, Larry Trainer. Larry, why yeah. don't we oh, get sorry. into it right now? Because it is wild to me how negative you are about the storyline. Yeah, cons- you're the negative spirit. Pete. Considering oh, don't you how the flashbacks are so poignantly emotional and so well yeah. tie into Larry Trainer's arc that. He was a closeted gay man. He has all of these things inside of him and he held everything inside. And now he is literally trapped in his body, completely closed off, completely. But hidden. he's
2: completely lying to himself. He, You know, we get this heartbreaking flashback where he's in the uh, truck with his boyfriend and also is just keeping his boyfriend at this distance that is just not fair and and like even his boyfriend called him out and he's like oh yeah i'm i'm the one with the issues like it was it's heartbreaking like first off you know i you know i don't know the struggle and and you know the fact that he has to lie who he is and all that kind of stuff but the boyfriend is being like hey man you know these people that we all uh, are around would hate us uh, if they knew who we are, you know, and that's heartbreaking in itself. So to have him, you know, be in honest with this person and share who they are together and then still kind of pushing him away, it's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes home and lies to his wife more about like how much, it's just, but she knows she, definitely know something's going on. And then you get the laundry list of places that they've been running from. Um, I
1: here, understand that you don't like that here, Pete, let me throw something out at you. I think you don't like it because it's well done drama. <laughs> like you are. Cause it's not like we like, we are like, this is perfect. This is just how I would want it to go. <laughs> I think we are emotionally invested in the story the same way. And that's why it's a successful uh, little tale. And it is hel- tragic.
0: If it helps you at all, Pete, in terms of somebody hiding a secret away, a big secret that they're keeping hidden, <laughs> think about it as like some sort of, I don't know, candy addiction oh, something my, like yeah, that. I, like, let's say yeah. you had a closet full of candy. You'd want <laughs> the person <laughs> to open that closet. And let the candy come out, but they still wanted to keep in there because then it's going to be all out over the rug. And what do they do? You know, what when do they we, do? When we use
1: the term, when we use the term "closeted," we're talking about candy here <laughs> on this podcast, <laughs> always. Um. Yeah, I. It is tragic, and especially later on in the episode when, after the accident, when John comes to talk to him on the heels of his wife saying, "Like I'm leaving, I can't do this anymore." She and she's not doesn't relish that choice. She's upset as well. All the more tragic. No one's happy here. And then John comes and is like, "Hey, I'm here for you. I have to speak in code because everyone's here with me, but yeah. I'm staying." And then John is like, "Go." go. He Only gives him one word. And and then in that Larry, at that moment, Larry John is
0: like, "John is the guy." Yeah, sorry, Larry
1: yeah, says go, yeah, and John is like knows in that Mo, one I think moment. It was
2: Larry and then Mo. No, (laughs) that's true.
1: And and Larry knows – or Larry is then alone again. Like he he loses everything in this one thing and just to see it all except for this spirit that he has in him that he's also fighting with. Uh,
0: The thing that we don't necessarily explicitly get into in this episode but I do think is always running under everything that Larry does – to the point that you're talking about, Pete, is he sees himself as a monster. He knows that he's cheating on his wife. He knows that if this ever comes out and he was true to himself, it would destroy his family. It would destroy this life as a test pilot that he leaves. It would destroy absolutely everything. So he feels like a horrible person. And then when he finally looks like that on the outside... He is rejected by the life he thinks he is supposed to have, and then he rejects the life that he truly wants because he thinks he doesn't deserve it anymore. Yeah, but even when he's— I think think it's complicated, but it's very beautiful storytelling.
2: It's it's very well done. It's very well acted. It's very moving— I just want him to be honest with himself or the light being because even when he's arguing with the light being and he was like my life was perfect before you ruined it it wasn't you know uh it was on the verge of collapsing and whatever but like I yeah I just I I want him to finally Uh, start being honest with himself and uh, start treating this light being uh, a little bit better because this light being, you know, has a ton of power over him and, you know, like can save his ass and also destroy things as we saw with the truck, which is hysterical when he's driving and like,
1: oh my God, that was so funny where the light being trashes the truck and everybody's like passed out. Well, and I think he's had, even though he had all that that secrecy, he was always in sort of the control of the situation. He was the one who was making the choices to hide himself. And now he's beholden to this. He's living another double life, except he doesn't have the power anymore. He's vulnerable here. He's still hiding his identity under these bandages. But there's this, the light being is sort of like, I I do what I want. You're not capable of making good choices, so I'm going to make some of them for you. It feels like. Yeah,
0: and I'll just mention before we move on to another character, I do think the scene where he does get his humanity back is kind of incredible and ah, oh, great. It it ties into this isn't exactly the right thing, but to talk about another comic book character, it's very like Ben Grimm, the Thing. Whenever he becomes yeah. human again, and you get those brief touches of he's like. This is me. I'm human again. And then the rocks come over him for whatever reason, or he has to take his powers yeah. back to save everybody. Here, it's forced on Larry Traynor. So it's not even his choice. or And it's probably not even real. Like, it was just imagined or part of this process or whatever was going on. Uh, and it's just unfortunate and sad that he gets thrust back into this life again. Yeah, but I do mean, think... The-
2: it was such a cool shot of like him in the the chamber, and then like we saw Mister Nobody get sliced into kind of bits, like his bandages come off in a similar way, mm-hmm. which artistically was done so so
1: well. Yeah, he's freed from the the these bonds that hold him, but yeah. he immediately he hasn't learned anything. He immediately drops into like I'm out of here. Yeah, you suck. Let me go. It's so and frustrating. It- and I think that he he can't be free of this. He he hasn't learned anything yet. He's not ready to to move on. He hasn't changed.
0: Well, and I also no. think this gets a little into the storyline that I wanted to talk to you about next with Rita and Cyborg. But I think across the board, something that this show does that is so smart is regular people don't learn lessons every 42 minutes, you know? We, I mean, well, I do. I learn cool lessons every 42 minutes. But – Watching a TV show, you're kind of used to everybody sitting around and being like, well, what's the lessons we learned here? So I've grown as a human being. And all of these characters are much more realistic, despite their superpowers, where they're like, well, I learned nothing this episode. Leave me alone. The only thing I learned is I'm in stasis here. I'm happy the way I am, even though clearly I'm not happy. And I'm going to keep going that way. So all the character growth that we get, if we do get any character growth, it's like 1%, 2% rather than – supposed to be this 100% character growth that oftentimes doesn't even carry forward until the next episode.
2: I'm glad you cut it off at 1% because when you get into skim milk and stuff like that, that is just gross. You know what I mean? Like 1%, 2% DC, a, but like mm-hmm. The
1: lowest know. percent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: My um, favorite is 3% milk. Wow. Well, that's that not a real very, thing. Very, very expensive. I add 1% to 2% together. Oh, smart. I make it myself. That's I smart. I don't know. That's how that works. That was smart.
2: like in that Die Hard uh, uh, thing where he had to fill the water jug with a certain
1: amount of percent. Anyways, yeah. I wish there oh, were oh, more oh, beverages. Now I
0: have 3% milk, <laughs> he says.
1: That's good. Yeah, I wish there were more beverages that were skim. You yeah, <laughs> know, skim beer, skim. Oh, gross. <laughs> I love Uh, just the top. Whatever can just slide off the top of stuff. Well, what's
2: interesting is like here's – we see Jane who has got a lot of issues herself – And it takes her two seconds to walk up to him and be like, listen, you douche waffle. You got to start treating people with respect. It's that simple. And it's like, you know, it would have been nice if that leveled him and sunk in a little bit, but, you know.
1: Here's the thing I don't know if you've ever noticed this in the real world, but it's often easier to diagnose someone else's problems than your own. Ooh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, she's pretty comfortable being like, leave me alone. Boom, boom! You're in the doom room. Uh, I think (laughs) she she has a ton of problems, and she's like, "You're a douche." You need to be nice, but she's not working. Douchewaffle. Yeah, she's not working on herself.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Jane does actually, I think, make some big moves this episode in terms of stepping up, which is interesting on the opposite end of the spectrum.
1: Well, she's like the hero here. She's the most – including Cyborg, she's the most heroic, I would argue, in this show. She's like proactive. She makes choices. She dove into the – what we found out was the donkey mouth um, later, earlier in last episode. And she's willing to make moves here that do put her at risk even though she's not able to really face the issues that she has to deal with.
0: And I think that ties into what she puts on the window of the plate at the end of the episode. She writes out control is a weapon for fascists. And I think that points to she doesn't like anybody being in control. You know, she's looking for the chief now. She's saying that. But I think we saw pretty clearly when the chief was there, she didn't want to listen to the chief. When mm-hmm. this guy at uh, Fucktopia, excuse me, fuktopia, Yeah. Uh, Fug-topia, whoa. Fug-topia. Uh, yeah, wow. Sorry, That's everybody. Disgusting. Spell it. Uh, when he tells her what he is going to do, she's like, nope, I'm absolutely not going to do that. So it's partially her being a hero, but it's also partially her just raging against the machine, no matter what the machine is.
1: Yeah, even if it's a puppet show. Exactly. My favorite thing to rage against.
0: That's what they were writing about, the band, right? (laughs) They
1: they hate puppets. They saw one marionette
0: (laughs) show in the park, and they're like, that's it. Here comes our album. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, the so, so when they say eat. rally around the family with a pocket full of shells, the family they're talking about uh, are the Muppets.
0: <laughs> right. And the pocket full of shells is
1: peanut shells. Yeah, that's exactly right. They love peanuts and hate puppets. Rage against the machine. Yeah.
0: Check them out, yo. <laughs>
1: oh,
0: man. Let's talk about Cyborg and Rita, though, because I do think this is a really interesting relationship that's developing. Uh, along the same lines, this very much refusal of the call of being a hero, Rita is digging in her heels the most, most but Cyborg is pushing against her the most. So how did you feel about how that played out in this episode? Well, first off, the
2: the timing of like, you know, Rita, get out of the bathroom, like, hurry, we're going to go do this. And then everybody being like, fine, let's just leave her. And she's like, I'm ready. And they're gone. It was just magical. That was just really fun. Uh, just, you know, I, the, the comedy of we've pointed out
1: numerous times. It's just so enjoyable. Well, and her, she can't control her powers. She's losing control of her powers, so she's refusing to do anything. Um, And in an episode where Rita and Cyborg get left behind, they're, like, pretty chill about it. (laughs) (laughs) And even when they catch up, they're like, wow, all right, yeah. Uh, I mean –
2: it's, it's interesting because Rita does reveal that like she started to get a grip on things and be able to control it and then when Mr. Nobody came it kind of like really shattered her and kind of brought her back to square one or worse than before um, which is you know an interesting kind of thing of like she's really struggling even though kind of like mentioned of him like her face started to go but it's interesting to have Vic kind of be sitting there and be like, hey, like, let's go. Let's do things. And she's like, what? What can I do? What do you think can happen? This reality that kind of Vic is fighting against. So the two of them kind of being sidelined. And as, you know, um, a trainer pointed out, like, yeah, he's the only one with any kind of hero experience and we didn't bring him along.
1: Uh, that's that's not a good idea. We also meet a really important character in their sequence, Ringding. Um, Is he the guy waiting you for did? the bus? Uh, no, he's the uh-huh. guy when Cyborg's working on the, the van. And he yeah, says, what's this, Ryan? It's like, oh, hey, yeah. I'm Ringding, d or something like that. <laughs> he <laughs> just says his name's Ringding, which yeah. brings me to an important lesson. Mm-hmm. Be careful with your nickname, because mm-hmm. that guy's walking around mm-hmm. being proud of Ringding. You got to workshop this stuff. Wait, am I?
0: Oh, I was thinking of ding dongs. Ding dongs are the chocolate discs with the cream in the middle, right?
1: Well, let's check in with uh, Pete on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's, okay. that's, <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's I was going to
0: say it's a good nickname because ding dongs are pretty good. But ring-ding. a ring
1: ding is a ring ding is, a, is cook's, a treat. Yeah, yeah. Right, Pete. That, right, that right, Pete. Right, treat true. Pete. Is, yes, hey, ri- hey, is. treat Pete. Is ring ding a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yep. It uh-huh. also is a thing. Yeah. Treat Pete and ring ding. Uh-huh. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Wow, that happened really organically. I can't <laughs> believe I can't believe how that worked out.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, we do actually get to meet a very fun character in this episode, though, which is Steve the tourist who uh, pairs along with him the entire time. Oh, uh, he's played by poor, Hag- uh, what? Poor Steve. Poor. Oh no, no, no! Steve's so happy. What
1: are you talking about? Where Are we're... you talking about Raptor Face Celery Hand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. this is an
0: actual character for the comics. This is yeah. Animal, yeah. Vege- uh, animal Vegetable Mineral Man. Mm-hmm. He yes. was introduced mm-hmm. in Doom Patrol number 89. He's played by Alec Moppa here. Uh It's crazy. I mean, it looks crazy. But I love his reaction at the end. That makes me laugh out loud, just being so pleased about his dinosaur head on his head. Very
1: fun. Very fun. Also, he's like... Was I in there too long? <laughs> that was so funny. Just well, so that's perfect. the thing.
2: There was this moment where Cliff was like, hey, should we sweep and look for people? And then Jane was like, no, nah, we're torching this whole thing, you know? But poor Steve was still in there, which was yeah. like, you guys came with Steve. You could at least look for him a little bit, but I guess they didn't. They didn't really I don't care think about he seat. was really part of
1: the team, though. Well, yeah. no, but he was I there. I think they were kind
0: it of helped. put off, though. They were put off when he first said, uh, they asked him what power he wanted, and he said magnet feet. Yeah. yeah they like, why do you want that? To climb up walls.
1: I very mean, funny. Metal walls. But, but, but it's very, not a lot of walls are made of pure metal. Yeah. He's not climbing very many walls. He can climb the bean. The bean. Uh, climb the bean. <laughs> In Chicago. <laughs>
0: Thanks, so, yeah, we didn't know what you were talking uh, about Yeah, I just didn't want people to think I'm saying Climb up random beads, climb up the bead in Chicago Or yeah, like you're saying, the Statue of Liberty You could probably climb yeah. up Is that it, oh, no, it,
1: no, it's not, because it's uh, copper mm. Mm. All right. I guess I don't know what the bead is made out of either <laughs> <laughs> Really,
0: Alex? <laughs> you don't know? It's weird I wasn't able to pull that fact out of my head yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we meet him. Um, what else? I feel like there's somebody we're missing his, in the episode. His commentary, like during
2: the puppet show, was really fun. Like, he's like, "Oh, oh well, I guess this this is all Nazis." He's like, "I'm still in." Uh, Wait, I
1: love that. He's like, all the Nazi stuff. He's sort of like, mm, Didn't bummer. see that in the brochure. Oh well. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and I also just—it's such an easy joke, but the length joke with the puppet show, where they start it and then cut to three hours later. Yeah. very fun. yeah very
1: fun. um I mean, just the whole uh Fugetopia sequence, like um arriving there having the weird puppet show, and then learning later that um that it's that everyone's being puppeted by the by the Nazi yeah. like von fuchs is, is the master just great it was really master. well done
2: and even when he dies like the 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 detail of the puppet like you know dying as well
0: just really good. Well, and it's also, just on a thematic level, a really good villain for them, right? Because you have somebody who is all about control, is all about—everybody is the same. Everybody is me. And they're all these weird individual characters that just don't fit together as a team. And so they're contrasting with that. So just on that level, I think it works really nicely for a superhero story as well. Um, Any—
1: well, I oh, just yeah. wanted
0: to say, like, just like when the puppet show started, and how Cliff was
2: like, "What the fuck?" Like, just <laughs> great, just great use of swearing in this episode. I just, I love it, and I yeah. feel, and I just want to circle back around to douche waffle. I mean, as someone who likes to use the word douchebag, like, I really appreciate a real waffle.
1: creative take on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that may be entering your, uh, sort oh of, yeah, uh, yeah, high text. vernacular. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: A couple of other moments that, to call out that I really liked. I just love the whole trip to Paraguay. The fact that they put yeah. off the bus, it's going to take two weeks. The yeah. bus driving. So long. <laughs> so long. The bus driving over the map was yeah. very fun visual. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Cliff and Vic pushing the bus at the yeah. end yeah. to the yeah. hotel. Also very, very fun. Also
2: the fact that Rita's the oldest and she was driving so slow was really fun. That it was driving everybody else insane. And it's cyborg being, the
1: right. cyborg being like, uh, "I'm going to get the PJ," and you know we've all been there. Obviously, you don't get the keys. Wait, what what? private jet? The, oh, jet? the PJ. private jet, PJ. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, wow!" I guess you guys don't. That was a cool,
0: fast way of saying peanut butter and jelly. You were skipping the beep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is a cool, fast way of saying something, but not <laughs> what you think. <laughs>
0: Uh, but overall, really good episode uh, uh, Wait, sorry, Alex, yeah.
1: one other thing real quick Now, do you feel like you and your family Like to your kids, need a cooler, faster way To say peanut butter and jelly? <laughs> we're that wasting faster a than PB, lot of time PB and, PB and J we're, and, we're wasting
0: isn't. a lot of time on that middle letter We have other wow. things to do
1: wow. Like, kids, down we with, gotta
0: go to school PJ, that's what we say like, it Put on and and I'm like no, no No, don't put on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> Oh my god It's a whole thing every morning
2: all right. Was I the only one who was really having fun when it was just Nazi ass kicking
0: time? Like, that no, was great, great yeah, fight I sequence. I, I, <laughs> I was la- sad because I like Nazis. Just to loop back to our conversation for the <laughs> yeah really the conversation. Yeah. you um, really come a long way,
1: man. Mm-hmm. I do- <laughs> <laughs> Cliff murdering them and then mm-hmm. feeling instant remorse. I thought was sort of
2: it was weird because it was like he blacked out and then kind of like came to and was like, oh, what did I do? Um, yeah. It was a weird moment, because I was having fun with Cliff, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait,
0: am I supposed to feel bad about this? Well, um, he hasn't done anything like this before, right? Like, he was a bad guy when he was alive, when he was a normal race car driver. But the only thing we've really seen him do so far is destroy a road to help Rita. He's mostly been helpful. This contrasts with earlier in the episode when he very gently paid pets the kitten, and here... He can't feel his body. He can't feel what's going on with it. He doesn't know what it is. He doesn't realize the strength that he has. And I think that's the reaction. It's not about blacking out. It's not some mystery or something like that. It's he goes apeshit. He now has a robot metal body, rips these dudes apart, and doesn't realize what he did or what it looks like until Jane comes up to him. And that's he, I don't think he's ever killed a person. So it's just that crashing yeah. realization of that.
1: Hmm. yeah. Especially not an art like a boys' choir from uh, mm-hmm. middle Germany <laughs> or whatever they were. Uh, oh,
0: one last thing. Really like the teleporting moment when Jade's like, ah, forget it. And they go yeah. there and immediately you're like, you could have done this the whole time. Well, the whole time. Very yeah, fun moment yeah. well as
1: well. Very oh. fun.
0: And um, that's like
2: back to like her thing of like nobody's in control. It's like they do what they want when they want, you know? Mm-hmm. Like she can't make anybody do something that they don't want to do, so. There you go. Plus, sometimes the trip is, you know, the the traveling there is half the fun. Yeah. Oh, I've never heard that before.
0: Before we wrap up here, uh, who was most doomed in this episode? Pete? Who was most doomed? Um... Yeah, I would say most dude
2: doomed was that German uh, team of people uh, <laughs>
1: who got ripped to shreds. Yeah, von Fuchs, I agree with you. Is was very doomed for yeah. a man, a scientist who's powered by a hand crank. Uh, <laughs> feels like maybe you're not focusing your energy where you need to be.
0: Yeah, Justin, what about you? Most doomed
1: this episode. Um, I mean, it's a tough, uh, like I said earlier, this show is doing a great job of making all the characters equally in the worst position. Um, and I, I am going to go with, uh, Rita here. Rita Ooh. feels like she's the changing the least and is the, uh, the least capable of sort of. Doing anything she's barely holding it together literally in the bathroom, trying to keep her body from falling into uh, falling apart, and she's not able to take any steps forward. It feels like Larry, at least, is maybe on the precipice of, of moving on. Let's hope
0: so. And I'm going to give it up to Hamable Lecter. I'm yes. really worried about that little guy. Uh, we just know yeah. that he's lost. Jane's yeah, but putting, so
2: many people took the, the number to call. So no, oh, man, maybe but Jane's has-
0: going around putting those signs for the chief up there. They're going to forget mm-hmm. about Hammable very quickly. How so could something. you forget about
1: Hammable? Alex, do you think he's lost or do you think he's finally free? I Ooh. think he probably
0: found a, uh, a bean but it was some fava beans and a fine
1: Chianti. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, that's why you can't climb the bean with magnet feet. It's f- made of fava. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you'd like to support our shows, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and uh, YouTube. Come hang out. We'd love to chat with you about Doom Patrol. You can check us out at, at comic book live, comic for this podcast and many more. And as always, we're going to leave you nah. with a piece oh. of advice. <laughs> From Pete LePage. Pete, take it away. What's your big piece of advice for this week's episode? Hey, you know, maybe it's time that
2: you're not uh, ashamed. You know, maybe it's time to let your freak flag fly, you know. Be okay with your candy drawer, all right? You don't have to hide your candy. Let
1: people see it. Wow, well, advice well, to really, yourself. Really beautiful, Pete, got me.